If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Peace family, is 19 Keys tapping in and I'm here for another high level conversation. Today, I brought you a billion-dollar conversation. Billions with a capital B. You understand me? This type of talk is only reserved for the generals. And I got a special guest here because everybody can't have this type of conversation. I had to bring in a VC manager. I had to make sure he didn't ran multi-million-dollar companies and been in the middle of billion-dollar deals. You understand me? A man that is in the flow of the money. Every time I talk to the brother, my net worth go up. You understand me? I, I go check... I Google myself right afterwards, and it's a couple of digits higher. You understand me? My aspirations, all of a sudden, they different. I might was calling an Uber, now I want a yacht. You understand me? This is the type of the brother that Keenan Beasley is. Uh, not only he's a phenomenal entrepreneur, he has a company called Sunday to Sunday. You understand me? And they just hit, I believe, all Sephora stores. All Sephora, Altas. Altas, everywhere. He's the man you want to know when you want to know everybody. You understand me? When you want to know everybody, you just find one man, and this is the brother, opens up his Rolodex, and he's tapped in. He currently has a show on Revolt, where they're helping entrepreneurs. What is the show called? I'm sorry. Bet on Black. Bet on Black. Man, you really can't get a better, <laughs> you can't get a better, <laughs> you can't get a better namesake than that. You know what I'm talking about? So, y'all know what we do here, man. We have high-level conversations that really push the culture forward, push the conversation forward, you understand me, in all areas. And so today I really wanted to bring my brother in so that we can hold on a larger conversation because I'm seeing billion dollars being made. We are in the midst of the biggest wealth gap and a wealth transference in history of the world. So we have to have billion dollar conversations to qualify ourselves so we can have resources to liberate ourselves. No matter where you are on the planet Earth, you cannot do anything without resources. Right. And so that billion dollar conversation is so that whatever mentality and spirituality we have, we can mass it with the resources to back ourselves up. So, my brother, I appreciate you being on today. Man, I'm honored, bro. I'm honored. Yes, welcome, sir. welcome, welcome to the house, <laughs> man. I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. Yes, We're sir. Flipping it around. This yeah, time. yeah. So, I'm and, and following. So, listen, man. I want to dive right into it, man. Where's the money? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> money is everywhere. The money is everywhere. The money is everywhere. But, we but seeing? I know that when it comes to, like, let's say about funds, right? I know when it comes to the billions of dollars that's in circulation, we only get like 1.25% of that as a quarter. Yeah. You understand me? How, like, talk to me about the numbers and how can we get into it? You understand yeah, me? Yeah, I, I think what's happening is, is the wealth is obviously centered at the top, right? Mm -hmm. We're we talking about the, the 0.001%, yeah. right? You know, so when you're talking billions, you're talking about a very, very elite group. And what they're doing is it's where are they managing and where are they moving their money? Yeah. You know, when you look at your, your super wealthy, they're really only taking about 17% and moving in these high-risk asset classes, mm. right? And that's on a, that's an extreme. Now, what's, what's considered a high-risk asset class? Yeah, so, you know, when you think a lot of folks, right, you know, if you put money in a safer space, right, in a S&P 500, yeah. right, or a bond market, yeah. or some folks can even say real estate, right, yeah. in certain things that have longer-term plays, right? They're looking for dividends, et cetera. People are in real estate trusts, right, different mm -hmm. asset classes like that. And then you get into the alternative assets, right? You really talk private equity, hedge fund, mm -hmm. venture capital. Crazy returns, but high risk. Mm. So now, you know, as somebody that's wealthy, how much are you going to put into those high-risk asset classes? I think a lot of us, we're trying to move faster, so those high-risk asset classes become exciting. Yeah. So we're trying to play in venture capital, right? We're trying to play in, in private equity, right, in these, in these different groups. But we don't necessarily have the base of wealth, so that risk starts to feel very uncomfortable uh -huh. for us. And we have to just be really smart and, and come together on those things. So let me ask you, you were once vice president at L'Oreal. Yeah. Why did you leave such a cushy job to do what you're doing now? What, was, what enticed you? Yeah, no, look, man, I, 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 did the, I did all the things right, right? You know, when your parents tell you what to do, like I did all yeah. those things, right? I was a straight A student growing up, right? I played football, I was a team captain, right? I gave back, I was active in the church, yeah. right? I volunteered. I went to West Point, right, which is a military academy, number one school in the world, wow. right? Did well there, got out, ended up going at blue chip companies, right? Fortune 50 companies. I was at Tide. I was part of launching Tide Pods. I launched Gillette Mach 3 around the world. Mm. You know, Lysol, Dettol globally, French's mustard, uh, mustard Frank's Red Hot Sauce, uh, and then was vice president at L'Oreal running wow. Garnier. So it was a lot of things that I was doing. What I realized is that once you get into that, those organizations, the infrastructure is built. So what you don't understand is actually how good are you? Mm. Is the machine good or is the operator? Mm. And I felt that the machine was good. I wanted to see if I was good. Mm. So I needed to go out on my own. So, so my, you know, a lot of that is ego, right, to see what I was worth um, and what I was capable of. But ultimately, you know, when you become an entrepreneur, you're saying your, your purpose and your passion is greater than your comfort. Mm. And when you're in those jobs, it is comfortable. Yeah. I don't like being comfortable. When I'm comfortable, like I'm that. not learning. You said something, man. That it oh, was, he took the glasses man, off now. Hold the up. The glasses <laughs> had to come off early this time, man. But no, you said that um, the, you, the machine was good. Yeah. Right? And that's interesting because most people don't think about that. Like, I worked at Prada. And, you know, I made them millions of dollars by working for them. But I knew for a fact that, number one, I could never make ever as much money as them. Yep. You understand me? And I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to figure out if I can go on my own and do that for self. Like, am I really as good as I think I am? Yeah. Or am I attached to a machine that's good, right? Yeah. And I think that's super key because I always encourage people to fire their bosses to yeah. see if they can become one. Those who have that, number one, I want to say this. I believe everybody has the potential, of course. 
100%. They just, are you willing to exploit your own potential and make it manifest? Yeah. You know? Well, it's hard for, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they want to sit there and look. And I'm, I'm, I'm hard on employees because I was an employee. Right? But I think there gets to a point where an employee is like, well, they're not paying me what I'm worth. Right. How you know what you worth? You only mm. work what somebody's willing to pay. Yeah. You ain't in control of nothing. Yeah. If I'm feeding you, you ain't in control. Right. You worth what I'm willing to give. Mm. And if you think you're worth more, then you got to go do that. That's a fact. Right? You got to go out on your own. You got to take that risk. Because what happens at these larger companies, there was once a founder that mm -hmm. had to build something from nothing. And they built a machine that scaled. Right? You know, we're going to go into it because we got to talk about the Waltons, right? When yeah. we talk about Sam Walton, under, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> under I value, about, right? I was just we, about to get there. Yeah, we, we talking about a guy, you know what I mean? Like one of the greatest entrepreneurs that we've seen, right, wrong, and different. It doesn't matter how people feel about it, but that's something that started as an idea that now is the third, third largest employer in the world. Mm. You got the Republic of China, Department of Defense, and Walmart. Wow. 2.5 million employees. Wow. What are we talking about? So is the, is, he built a hell of a machine. Now, yes, he needs operators, but that thing is running. Yeah. That's why they can hire and fire. Yeah. So you don't know what your value is necessarily there. It's just what that machine can afford and is willing to afford. They could change that model like right. that. Frankly, what they're paying is being generous. Yeah. They being nice. <laughs> and now, we don't want to accept that sometimes because that hurts a little yeah. bit because we want to feel like we're, we're valued. And we are. But if you really, really got that in you, you got to go test that. Go get uncomfortable and see what you could build. Well, what about the people who are on the other side of the conversation that say, well, they're bringing in billions of dollars. Surely they can afford to up the, the, the wage that they pay another 5 to $10. Yeah, it's not charity. Mm. <laughs> we, talking, we talking about capitalism. It's not, it's not for charity. Mm. Right? Like, the wealthy didn't get wealthy by being generous. Mm. Like, you know, I had a guy tell me, uh, you know, it was one, one of the richer guys I've, I've ever interacted with. And I was asking him why we don't see, you know, the creators of culture, right, and black people obtaining this level of wealth. And he said flat out to my face, I've never met a black person as greedy as me. Mm. That's what he told me to my face. Mm. I, have to, I have to accept that because that's real. We, we, are, we are a generous people, right? We are, we are a community-based people. We love one another. And so we want to share. We want to do things. We want to win together. A lot of the folks that are at the top, what are you seeing? They up there by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and so, they don't feel bad about it. So with the Walton family, because I think that I, when I studied the Walton family, it was more so just looking at the statistics of who's the richest family in America, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the Walton family. And I was doing my wealth standard, and I was basically studying mm -hmm. how each race and each group builds their wealth, right? And, of course, the family dynamics is always connected to it, right? That's one of the missing keys and our culture is family, yeah, right? And, you know, the Walton is the, the Walmart family for those who are not familiar with it. And so I remember walking through Walmart one day and I'm just looking at all of these products and some of these products have last names on them. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like each one of these products is feeding somebody's family that owns it. Yeah. Now we consumers of it, yeah. right? But we not producers. Yeah. You understand me? And we not prosumers. We don't produce what we consume. Correct. And so we got an issue on that side because you could be walking down those aisles or in our own stores and seeing each one of these products representing a family's last name industry. 100%. You understand me? And I think that that's probably one of the bigger things, whether it's the Colgate's, whether it's the Hennessy's, whether it's the J.P. Morgan's, right? Like all of these things are immersed in our culture, yeah. but it represents our money going outside our culture. Yeah. You understand me? For the most essential and basic needs, yeah. things that we need to take care of ourselves, 
It's feeding somebody else's culture and yeah. making them wealthier and wealthier. And it's like the blueprint that they've set up is the fact that they're showing you like family is the key here. <laughs> well, well, I think, I mean, whether family is the key, I think what, what you have in each one of those families, you have someone that was a disruptor, mm. right? And someone that was an earner and, and, and the rest of the family was willing to follow that. Talk right. about being an earner for the family. Yeah, so I, you know, I think there, there's always a lead, right? I think we've, we've gotten caught up where everybody wants to be LeBron, but it's mm. like you got to look at what he has. Like, there's one LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> LeBron managers who more people should try to be because there's yeah, only one well, LeBron. Yeah, well, it's, it's find out who is the LeBron and then support that person. <laughs> so you, do you think the average family has, let's say, a LeBron, but their LeBron? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, there is one, and we got to pour into that, and mm. that that defies generations. Yeah, right. And and you have to strip your ego out because someone's going to get onto something and be the catalyst to move that family out of that socioeconomic class. Mm. And it just takes one. Yeah. And then we got to rally around and support it. So I think we've seen that LeBron, and we're willing to support the athlete. Right. It's not hard to find somebody to drive you to practice, mm. to cut up oranges and get you the little Capri Sun when you when you play in a game. Yeah. But when you want to start that company. Start looking around. Yeah. That's <laughs> where, the where, 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 where's the support? We'll yeah. pour thousands of dollars every year to get somebody into AAU for a pipe dream. But we won't put that thousands of dollars in to them to learn coding, take coding classes. Mm -hmm. we, have to, we have to flip the model of what success looks like in our, in our culture. And I think sometimes we think it's the fame right. instead of actually the success in the infrastructure. Right. See, and, and that's key because I look at the mafia family, right? A lot of people like... Let's say I always prefer to uh, uh, refer to our culture, but really I'm talking about people in general. When you look at that, it's like those mafia movies, they had family code, right? Yeah. The mob was families coming together, right? And protecting each other and doing business with each other. And But instead of people taking that model of the family model, they took just the criminal element, right, and aspired towards that. Yeah. But the most important thing in those Scarface movies and those mafia movies and, and Godfather was the family. He had a yeah. son that, that studied law, right? A person that become a yeah. banker, a person that get in politics. And they rally around the central ideas that have pushed that family forward. You yeah. understand me? So that they can become controllers in their industry, not just for now, but for like 10 to 20 to 30 years ahead. Let's simplify it, right? There are people that make money, yeah. and then there are people that manage money. Mm. <laughs> not everybody money can managers. make money. Right, like not everybody is, is, has that gift and that, that's okay, right? But you only need in the family one person to really make money. Yeah. You need a lot of folks to then manage the money. So that means that if you got a person in the family that's making money, you really hit the lotto. You really hit the lotto. Especially somebody that's making a lot of money. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. When you get that earner, when you have that LeBron, that Keys, right? Hopefully that's seen as me, right? Whatever that is. You're definitely family, the guy. You right. Well, modest, then what we need to have then is who is helping to manage that. Money. Right. So when you look at some of these great families, right, the reason why these names keep passing down, right, and, and you see the generations of the Rockefellers, right, of the Kaufmans, of the Waltons, et cetera, that still came from one earner. Mm -hmm. The rest of that ecosystem was around protecting that money and growing it. Mm. Those are money managers. Yeah. They didn't have to bring in fresh dollars. It's hard to grow what we call AUM, right, if you're in the VC space, right? Mm. Assets under management. Yeah. That's tricky, especially when you start from zero. 
But once you have it, now there are lots of systems, right, and schemes within the financial market to now manage that money. How do you get into uh, becoming a money manager? Being a money manager, I mean, one, those are just classes that people can take, right? To be a wealth manager, they make 1% of the wealth that they manage, right, and grow. So that's folks going to school. Most of them get MBAs, and they go and do that, and they go and work at, pick a fund, right, a family office, yeah. uh, an investment firm, et cetera, right, a, um, uh, a Goldman, right, any, any of these types of companies, right, where they're doing that. And those are money managers. You have it? money under your management? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about right. it. Right. Uh, well, the money that I have <laughs> under management? Uh-oh. What are we saying? What are we getting into? How, how deep are we going? <laughs> but no, I mean, anytime you've made money, then yeah. now you need to manage that money, right? And you're, you're trying to, one, preserve it, right? So, you know, when you think about things, when you look at inflation, right, mm -hmm. or just your value of your dollar is less every year. So that right. means you need to be doing something. You That's need to be fact. moving it more so that it grows. That's a fact. If not, you're going to lose about 25% yeah. of your wealth every generation. Yeah. Nobody rich wants to hear that, yeah. right? Because the idea is we all want to pass it down to our kids, right? We want that to continue to grow. So now that's why you need an ecosystem to manage that money. Yeah. That's a lot of people. There's a lot of roles there to grow that. Yeah. But so somebody say, still got to make that dollar. So let's, let's say, all right. There's somebody in the family making money. Now, everybody else that's looking at that, how do they start setting up their roles to be in support, right? So somebody becomes a money manager, right? And then, like, I had an idea, right? Because I, I know for a fact, because, you know, I study blockchain technology. Absolutely. And, and blockchain technology, now, they create methods and ways where a person can manage the family's money. And you can connect it to these secure wallets where everybody has a key. And the only way anything happens in and out that is everybody who has that key that's connected to this vault agrees to it. Yeah. So it's transparent. Um, it's trustless. Nobody can steal from each other. Everything has to be permission-based. Yeah. So the idea was that if one person understands crypto, let's say, right, mm -hmm. then they say, well, listen, this is what I've done with my portfolio. I'm able to get 10%, 25%, 50% returns on a yearly basis. I'm ready to start managing the family's money, mm -hmm. right? The family can now pour in 20% of their income, right? Everybody puts their money into this one vault. Mm -hmm. I, will, I will send y'all a report of what I'm going to mm -hmm. manage, you understand me, what I'm going to invest in. You can agree to it or not. If there's no agreements, we don't manage it. We don't invest yeah. in it. And this is a way where... It incentivizes, number one, families to come together, have those conversations, yeah. but somebody actually get in that role. Yeah. Because whoever managing the money also get a percentage from the family's money 100%, as well. 100%. You understand me? So they're incentivized to make the family money. Absolutely. And so instead of, and it forces the family to be responsible, instead of all of this money going out, we're saying, no, nah, if, if you want to participate in the family's money, you have to put money into it. You have to become a manager, a supporter, an earner in some capacity. Yeah. So l l let's, let's think about like, how do we do that, right? There are known structures for that. Yeah. Right. Wealth isn't new. <laughs> the institution of wealth has been around for, for a long time. Yeah. So that's why now you are consciously taking a job to learn those skills. So mm -hmm. you can either be self-taught, which a lot of folks are. How right? did you learn? You do. I work for folks, right? Mm -hmm. So what was my career? I learned, to, I learned how to make money by working for other people. Mm. So I didn't care about what my salary was. I was learning on the job, and thank God I was even paid for it. Mm -hmm. When it got to the point that I was no longer learning, what did I go and do? Make money myself. Mm. That was the whole point. So yeah. that takes humility. So it's okay that you have a lot of extremely wealthy folks that even work for me. Yeah. They're learning to extract some knowledge from me. They're taking a salary. And then at a certain point, they're going to quit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to go do that yeah. for their family. 
which they should. But see that that key role, what you just explained, that's playing position, 100%. right? Like sometimes a general got to play the soldier's role. It it it, it 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 you know I get I always get this breakdown now about the difference between a warrior and a soldier. Yeah. Like that warrior, he go he go grow his hair out. He go be connected to his intuition, his instincts. He go move in his warrior's way about what he feel like he want to do and what's his personal war and his yeah. agenda, right? He's more of a mercenary. Absolutely. But a soldier is the one who learns how to commit himself, to take orders, and to be disciplined. Yep. It ain't about what you feel about it. It's like, take the goddamn order so we can win this war. 100%. The general is the one who putting together the plans. He pushing the paper at the end of the day. He's not on the yeah. front lines. Not all the time. You understand me? And not the way these armies are set up. But he earned that right. Yeah, he earned that right. And he's the, because the, the general is the one who creates the plan for the soldiers to carry out. 100%. And there's sometimes a person that may be a soldier well, in the future, be a general, but you got to learn to play your role in order, in order for you to meet your goal. Well, this is the problem, right? So, you know, I think, and look, I'm, I'm not going to say this on everything, but there's some cultural phenomenons, right, and some terms that can start to bother me, right? Because everybody wants to be a boss now. Yeah. Right? When you look at the black population, man, we have an, a ridiculous amount of solopreneurs. Mm. They're not bosses. Yeah. What's the they definition don't, of a boss? They don't employ anybody. Who do you employ? Mm. What have you created? Are you creating wealth for others as yeah. well? Right? Like, there's no infrastructure. What we got is a bunch of solopreneurs. That's cool, but that's not sustainable. What you are is you're a hustler. Mm. You're not a boss. You don't, you don't own a business. That business, there's no infrastructure. There's no assets. What you got is just your effort. Mm -hmm. You're hustling, and that's fine. But let's separate that, right, and move away from that because too many of us want to call ourselves bosses, and what it creates is this... Um, this feeling of individualism, right? And we got a bunch of individuals, right? To be a general, at one point you were a soldier. That's a fact. Right? And so you learn to follow before you lead. Right. We got a lot of folks that want to just jump to Submission lead. Submission is power. Yeah, and you, and you haven't learned the principle. You haven't earned that right. That's our ego getting in the way. We're trying to skip steps. And when you skip steps, it's dangerous. Yeah. Right? You're going to end up losing that wealth, right? Go through the process, right? So when I gave my career statement, what I did is I started as an assistant brand manager and worked my way up to a vice president and then became an entrepreneur. And now I'm a venture capitalist. As well. Those are things. I went through all the steps. So I, I went through I all go, the steps of the industry. I want to go to the, the, the step of the venture capitalism because this is not yeah. something that's widely discussed enough in our culture, right? Yeah. Uh, people having assets under their management. And how, let me ask you this. How much money, what's the most amount of money you've managed? Well, I'm raising a $150 million fund right now. $150 million yeah. fund. You understand me? $150 million <laughs> fund. I just like the way it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> What's the process uh, uh, um, of that look like as far as raising $150 million? I think one, it starts with, you know, do you have an investment thesis, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have something that you think is going to generate returns, right? Mm. You've seen an angle and opportunity in the market. The next thing that typically you're happening is, have you tested that, right? Mm. Have you done something to demonstrate that? Either with your own small checks where you've proven that out, maybe you've invested some of your family's money, or may you, maybe you actually operated and, and created it yourself. Yeah. But something, something that proves out that thesis is correct. And now you're trying to get buy-in from other folks to say, hey, I can generate these same returns for you with more. And here's How now. hard is it to get some of that VC money on you on the other end? Oh, I, I think all aspects of raising money are, are difficult. Um, but you no, just not the be. raising money part for a person that want to get some of the money raised. 
well, I'm saying all aspects of raising oh, okay. money are difficult. So yeah. whether you are trying to get money from a venture capitalist or you are trying to raise money in your fund to be a venture capitalist, yeah. both aspects of it Now, are I know difficult. we leave a lot of money on the table just by not going after it, though. Yeah, I think sometimes what we do is, you know, what we're raising money for as, as a lot of black folks. And, and look, I, I have a, a nonprofit called Venture Noir where, you know, we run cohorts. So we run entrepreneurs through a program and an education system to get them ready for venture capital or get them ready for scale. What you find a lot of times is we're hungry, right? Yeah. So it's like Maslow, right? You're trying to, you're trying to meet your, your basic needs. Yeah. We're out here trying to just eat. So what happens is you're trying to get just enough money to be able to eat. You don't have even the, the freedom or the comfort to think about the long-term play. Mm -hmm. And so that hurts us. So what we end up doing is we ask for small money, mm. right? So when you're a venture capitalist, and let's say, so I'm raising a $150 million fund. I got to deploy that money over the course of, let's call it five years. Mm -hmm. So then I can now get into the point where I'm getting a return cycle for me to get my actual dollars out of mm -hmm. it, right? So, okay, if I got to deploy $150 million and you ask me for $50,000, I'm not going to do it. That, that's too much work. <laughs> yeah. I got to do a lot of work. I got to give out a lot of yeah. $50,000 yeah. to deploy $150 to get my return. That means I have to have a different infrastructure. I got a different cost structure in order to deploy that money because it costs money to give money. Legal fees, right? Due diligence, right? Analysts teams to manage it, follow-up calls, sitting on the board, calling to help that company to grow. That is a cost of giving money. So we ask for too small a money mm. for folks to have big dollars to deploy. We now, have to I, and paint I know a bigger vision. I, not to cut your wisdom, but I know that that's true is we don't, we don't make the conversations worth enough. No. You understand me? Like it, to, to entice that particular world, you got to start off in the hundreds of millions and the billions of dollars. Talk crazy. You understand me? Like, let them bring the number now. You understand me? But we play, we, we, we sell ourselves short. Say it again. Self-sabotage. Yeah, yeah, it's like, damn, oh, that's all you want? That's that, it? That's what they think in the back of their head. Like, like, man, I think you could get that, though. Yeah. I think you get it. I can't give it to you. Yeah. But I think you could get that. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like, have we, do you think we've ever properly evaluated the court's worth? No. Ever. And, and, and to be real, that's because we haven't been in control of the investment dollars to even do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, again, you're worth but, what but somebody's willing to pay. If we've never asked for it, we start the conversation off small. Absolutely. It's like if they got a treasury where it's like, all right, we got one hundred million dollars in here. But every time they come in here, they only ask for five hundred thousand. You understand me? So it's like if we're never forced to go with a larger number, we never will. And we're always going to negotiate them into a corner by comparing contracts with the last contract or the last person we yeah. gave. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing, right? You know, venture capital is a space about crazy returns, right? Mm -hmm. So people are, again, if I can make 12% just by investing in S&P every year, okay. Yeah. I'm doing well, right? Yeah. Like, there's a timeline. So if, you're, if I'm going to invest in you, which is a high-risk asset class, which we've already talked about, I need you to paint a picture of something that outweighs all the other ways that I'm making money. But let me ask you so you this, need to then. come with crazy returns. So, know? but let's say there's a lot of businesses, black businesses specifically, that's on the market that do very well. They making a, some making a million dollar plus per month, Absolutely. right? Organically, yeah. right? Um, they doing it just through their good business acumen, and they've 100%. we talked about this before: brilliance versus excellence, right? Mm -hmm. That we have the brilliance to come up with these systems, super creative models. Mm -hmm. We got great market viability, organic reach, 100%. and traffic. But we don't properly know how to evaluate ourselves. 
You understand me? Where we can get 100x on evaluation by understanding how the system works. Well, that's painting a picture to what the growth is, what the upside is. Yeah. Right? So the role of a venture capitalist is ultimately to get into a deal at its lowest value when you can see a clear pathway to exponential growth. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a million dollars today, but in your plans you're telling me that you could be a hundred million dollars in five years, in ten years, and I believe that. I'm going to discount it. I'm going to say maybe it's 50. Mm. Okay. Well, if I can get you in, you're doing a million, and I'll say, you know what? I'll invest at you, and I'm going to give you a valuation of five million. Mm. Five times what you're doing today. Right. But that's because I see the 50. Right. So now I didn't come in. I got my multiple there because I'm banking on you. I'm willing to stay in that deal long enough to see you get to 50. Mm. But you got to paint the picture for me of the 50. What we do is we come in and we say we're doing a million dollars, you know, in sales, and we want to talk to you a lot about that. We don't want to give you the vision for the 50. Mm. Give me the vision for the 50. Get me excited. Whet my appetite. Make me drool a little bit. Yeah. And then tell me, you know, actually, I think I got a Billy right here. Yeah. I'm giving, I'm letting you come in. I'm giving you an opportunity to get a piece of this because I'm growing like a rocket ship. Yeah. So when, so let me talk about evaluation then. How do, like, what would be a great piece of information for uh, small businesses that do got a great track record, they're very profitable, they got good growth, they got scalability, and, but most don't know how to evaluate their company? Well, again, right, like, valuations are made up, so I'm not, I'm not going, you know. But we want to, we should, we don't want to get rid of that yet, we want to make evaluations too. Yeah, but I'm saying, valuations <laughs> are made up, so what, what we're buying is the story, right? Yeah. It's, it's a factor of what your growth is. But so, what, what's, where's the provability in an evaluation? Yeah, but, so let, let's, let's go through some of the fundamentals, right? Okay. So, so one of the key things that you want to be able to do is, what market are you in? Is that uh -huh. market growing? Yeah. How much of that market do you have? Okay, your right? market These, Now you start to get into unit market economics. Domination. Right, so if I'm in hair care, uh -huh. and hair care is a 800 billion, oh, well, let's make up numbers, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a $100 million industry, and it's growing at 7%. Awesome, okay, so it's 100 million a day, it's going to be 107, and it's going to keep growing. Awesome. Today what I am, I got 1 million of that market. Here's how much it costs me to capture that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm showing you, based off of my research, and what we have is, now I have room to grow and capture a larger size of that prize. Mm -hmm. That's what you got to prove to me with either your data or within your performance metric. And now you're going to say, hey, I've sized the prize. We're a million today, but we can be, if we do this, this, and this, we can be 20 million of that 100. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Now I'm going to do my diligence. I'm going to pressure test you on that, but at a certain point I'm gonna be like, all right, I'll buy that story. Yeah. Then I'm gonna ask you, okay, how much do you need to make that real? That's where we get gun shy, right? Because a lot of times as people of color, right, as black folk, we don't like borrowing money. Yeah. We don't like owing people money, right? It comes because we think we gotta pay it back so quick. Right, this right. is a long-term investment. This, this isn't, you know, raising from your cousin, getting $20 and like, man, I'll pay you back tomorrow. That's too short-sighted. This is saying, no, nah, okay, I need $5 million to realize that 20. So what happens for us is we'll have a great business. We'll identify a size of prize, but then we won't realistically talk about what it costs to get there. Mm. Venture capital is trying to pay for you to get there faster. Mm -hmm. 
So when you're, when you're a, a small business owner, or you're raising venture capital, you're not giving away ownership of what you currently have. What you're doing is you're buying speed for where you're going. Mm. We too much think about the fact that we're giving away something. And then that creates this angst. Well, now it's like what I'm valued. Because you're talking about present day. That is emotional. No, you talking about buying speed to your future self, mm. to that future company. That's, 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 that's it less. right there. That's super key. Always talk about the difference between being efficient and effective. Yeah. Right? Efficient is doing what you're good at, right? At your pace. But effective is going a longer distance in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. You understand me? So the money, the resources that come behind you allow you to be more effective. Yes. Now, we had a conversation about, you know, uh, we got helicopters over here. They, oh, yeah. they listening, too. That's it. I don't know. I don't know. They spying on us. That, that's Keenan personal helicopter. We got helicopters that ain't, that ain't me. Look, we're going to tell them to subscribe to your channel before they come up. They can't listen to this yet. But listen, so we got, we got this 2053 um, cloud yeah. over our heads, yeah. right? Where they say we're gonna have zero percent assets in America, right? Yeah. And basically, Black America ain't gonna have no af assets under management. Yeah, no me? wealth. So, the, my whole thing is, well, all we gotta do is actually have assets to change that reality. Now, in order for us to get there to catch up with anybody else, is what we really need to look at, because even if we have some assets, but everybody else a hundred years ahead of us, that's still at the bottom of the barrel. So we have to be more effective than everybody else, and especially with our business acumen. Yeah. It's like I talked to you before about the fact that, you know, when it comes to the venture capitalists and when it comes to that world and, and people who are in the conversations of hundreds of millions and billions of dollars, oftentimes our culture is thinking too small to have their time. You understand yeah. me? And I was like, well, if we don't get individuals like yourself that have knowledge to parlay onto the culture, then it's never in our algorithm, and we never have it. So it's like we have to bring more people that have access and knowledge to give us that to make us more effective. Because it's like I look at blockchain as an ability to where we can have super growth cycle, yep. right, in our culture. To where it's like, you know, we talked about this a little before the cameras came on, is that we got 1.6 trillion spending power, yep. right? Now, we got this financial literacy movement, right? Yeah. Individuals like myself and UIL, yeah. Marshall Trapper, yeah. Ian, and a multitude of other individuals. And we fighting, but we gonna barely make a dent in that unless our media is supersized. Yeah. It becomes the most important thing to our culture. Yeah. We overtake rap industry and entertainment overnight and everybody listen, does their homework and execute. <laughs> yeah. It's like everybody yeah. just become good students and good kids all of a sudden, yeah. right? Yeah. But we know damn well that ain't about to happen. Hey, I don't know. You guys are doing well, a great job. Overnight, we need a we need a wealth drug that people take. You understand me? Where yeah. they pop one, and all of a sudden they start yeah. paying attention and executing and gaining assets. So beyond that, we got to have a super cycle. You understand me? It's like fundamentally, if we look at it, if our 1.6 trillion dollars is going out of our community, yeah. our net worth is continuing to going down. We have more debt. We have less assets. Yeah. You understand me? And so we're not becoming more valuable. Then every other community, we talked about this, should be giving us thank you letters. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think like, there's a number of ways to, to approach it, right? Well, I, history I, I think, month should be celebrated by everybody at this point. It, it really should, right? We've made a lot of people rich. I, I, I think, look, you know, and, and I always say, you know, black culture is America's greatest export. So, oh I mean, God, that, that, that just that, that that is what it is. But, but here's the thing, right? Like, we, you know, we, we put some of these things out, right, that I feel are distractions. Right? When we talk about, 
closing the wealth gap. I don't know any super rich black guy or woman, right? Just black person that has made money and hasn't made money for a bunch of white people. Hmm. So the idea of closing this gap doesn't make sense. Now, if you're a disruptor and you're doing things right on blockchain, DeFi, right, in, in these aspects, you now are creating, you know, different infrastructures that don't require white people on those. So now you can achieve wealth without making money for a white counterpart. I get that, right? right? And that can happen. And, and that's because they're always going to make more than what we ever make. Always, because they own the infrastructure. Right. So what I'm focused on right now is let's close the quality of life gap first. Let's get us into high-earning jobs and living comfortably. Right? We haven't felt that. It doesn't matter what happens. And this is why the work that you guys are doing is, is so brilliant. Because when you're teaching financial literacy, you're teaching us to first live within our means. Mm -hmm. And get comfortable within that so now we can start to run the plays that are available in a capitalistic society like America. Because all these plays are available for everybody. Everybody. But what happens is if you don't have the disposable cash, right, if you are living above your means, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. You spending all your money on name brand clothes, on blah, blah, blah. So you're underwater, out the gate. It doesn't matter. So when I look at what's going on right now, man, and, and I spend a lot of time in the middle of the country, we're in places where, you know, Kansas City, the, the household income of a black family is sub $30,000. Mm -hmm. Man, a manufacturing job paying $18 an hour now can move them up to 40. That's a significant improvement on their life. We're not talking about that. That's why we have to get into job creation. We're trying to jump to some things, and we haven't satisfied the basic needs of our class when, when, when black folks were actually really thriving. We've been thriving and feeling great in our communities when we had jobs. And we were job creators. And we were circulating that wealth in our community. But that's the key of being job creators. Because Got to be. Even if we get the jobs, it's still our fate is still in somebody else's hands. In someone's hands. That's the whole thing about voting and jobs. We still are left without power because we're voting for somebody else to manage us. But now when we're talking about some of our, our innovators and our earners, are we doing things in spaces that are creating jobs? Are now, we being bosses? They have to. So let's say we get to the point where... The point of it is, okay, yes, get the jobs, increase the quality of living. Yeah. They have to have a mindset that's still for the people. Absolutely. Otherwise, they'll get the job, turn their back on them. And oh, then yeah. it's the thing about everybody in the family got to be doing good in order for your net worth to be what you think it is. Oh, bro, I'm not talking about anything. None of this is mutually exclusive. This is right. all and models. Yeah. Right? So, so you teaching financial literacy is 100% needed. Mm -hmm. Me creating jobs is also hey, 100% hey, hey, needed. I'm creating jobs too now. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. No, you, I'm you, just you're saying, doing it all, so I right? want to be in that category. Yeah, but you know what I mean? And, and, and you are, right? So, yeah. I, you know, I, but I'm saying all of us are doing things, and it's the collective power yeah. of all of these things. So it's not one or the other. It's but all you said something before that I thought was raw. You said how many jobs you wanted to create? For me? Yeah. In general? Yeah. I'm trying to create thousands. Thousand. Yeah. Like that, that right there, I think, <laughs> should be the goal of the bosses in our culture is how many jobs can we create? Every city that I go into that, that, that my ecosystem touched down in, we're looking to create and put a plan in place for 250 jobs. Mm. Every city yeah. that we touch. Now, that's, see, now that's, that's something I want to be the new goal for the culture. It's the minimum threshold for me. Where, you know, we brag about a lot of things in culture. You understand me? But we ain't bragging about payroll. Man, 
You know, I, I, I read a stat. This, this is crazy, and I hate this stat, but I'm going to say it anyway. And I got to validate it, so I know, I know your people are super smart, so they're going to fact check me, but I'm going to throw it out anyway. <laughs> right? I read something that if you took all the white companies, right, if you look at their revenue and their payroll, they can afford to pay every white person in the country $80,000 a year. Mm. And I said, whoa, right? Because you're talking about household income, right, you know, across the country about $55,000. So I said, man, all right. Yeah. That's what they're doing. So clearly they're hiring yeah. some other minorities, That's a lot of right? Because it's like 426 million white folks. Yo, we talking about a lot of folks. So they can afford to pay every white person, right, from their income, 80000 If you take all the black-owned companies, they can afford to pay every black person in the country 5000 mm. That's our problem. We're not creating jobs. Yeah. We're not even thinking about creating jobs. We're thinking for self in some of these things, right? And we're hustling yeah. to satisfy our family, but we're not building infrastructure. But see, that's why I say family because the family got the people around you have to have money as well. Because when I look at Absolutely, net worth, yeah. right? You got your earned income, you got your debt, you got your assets. You yeah. add that up, and that's gonna give you a net worth. But people forget about the fact that the average college uh, black person that goes to college, you understand me? Most of they Wealth is going towards debt, right? Paying off those college loans. Yeah. Like billions of billions of dollars in our community still goes towards college loans and debt. And so when I look at the reality of that, it's the fact that if the family around you ain't up as well, a lot of your net worth also goes towards taking care of those people because you're the only earner in that family. Yeah. So your it, net worth, you got to minus that based on how many siblings and family members and people you've taken care of at the same time. Absolutely. And debt doesn't always have to be a bad thing, right, in debt. It's just, are you, do you have enough diversification that is outweighing the, the debt? No, you debt know? can be a great thing because America is run off it's debt. built off of it, right? So I, I, I like that. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I say, I said this before, is that, you know, you know who uh, America owes more than any other people on the planet Earth? Like we I, owe? Yeah. Who is America's biggest debtor? Uh, I would assume China. China, Japan. Yeah. And then there's one other group of people they owe more than anybody, and that's black Americans. <laughs> you understand me? Indeed. And I was always taught that. <laughs> I like that. Know. I like that. Uh-oh. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You understand me? And so you, they definitely got to run a check still. But, and, and to that point, it's like, you know, debt was one of the first ways that slavery was brought into. Like, yeah. you owe somebody, you got to work for that person. Yeah. You understand me? And so, we really the biggest slave masters, you understand me, of America, but we ain't never collected our debt. You understand me? And we never forced that hand as well. Yeah. So, it's like, before y'all go and try to, you, they can't pay China, they can't pay Japan what they owe, you understand me? And they can't pay us. And these are the most hostile. You see, they hostile with China. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. hostile with us. You understand me? They hostile with anybody they owe money to. It's the same thing. If somebody owe you money, you understand me? Then you got an issue with them. Y'all got to go to war before you collect that money. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, and, and, and the goal and the strategy is to keep growing. Yeah. Right? And so if you keep growing, you're okay, right? And you're figuring our growth rate is going to outpace what our interest rate is. Right. And if you have that, you're okay, right? Yeah. And that's that's the balance and the flip. I think, you know, when when we look at black culture, right, and black folks, for me, I'm like, look, man, we have 
all the culture and the driver, right? We have the, the populace, right? Uh-huh. And, and the drive of things. What we don't have is control of the asset. That's a super fact. Right? And so if we can start to figure out what assets we want to own and then put our cultural power on that, we've now created wealth. All right. What do you think are some of the top assets that every family should invest into? Well, you know, look, I'll, I'll save that that conversation for you guys as the investors, yeah. right? So I won't get into that. I'll, so, I will talk about some things that what we drive. You know, I, I like what Ray Dalio gives a breakdown. He said, you know, gold is still the greatest asset because everything else is compared to gold, right? Yeah. When you're talking about what's its value, right? Crypto has not met the gold standard yet. Um, and so gold is something that I believe that every family should own, right? That's a hedge still. Yeah. Crypto. Stocks. Every black family should have a life insurance policy. You understand me? With infinite banking system. Um, I'm not a registered money manager like that. No, this right? is not. <laughs> so I don't, I don't get into those. Financial things. advice. These are just asset classes that you can invest in to where if we get to that year 2053, it's impossible for us to not have wealth if we have assets. 100%. What, what we also are, though, is, is, is some of the world's greatest creators. Yeah. This is a creator economy right now. It's, it's, it's never been easier to create assets. That's a super fun. So I think what we're give, also Give me a breakdown is, on that. Yeah, so let's talk about what assets we can create, right? IP, when we're talking about people creating oh, NFTs, yeah. right? These are assets. When we IPO, can, intellectual property opportunities. Yeah, That's what so I think when we NFTs can create are. products, when we can create, we're creating things, right? We are designing clothes. We are, we are creating things that can be consumed, right? These are assets. This is intellectual property. That's what wealth is created off of. Mm. So I can invest in somebody else's asset, right? And, and then try to get a VIG off of that, right? You know, cool, okay. And, and I think people should do that. That's a diverse portfolio. But again, I'm talking about being Sam Walton. Mm -hmm. I gotta be, so my energy is on creating of the asset and then building the infrastructure so that that asset can continuously grow. But that and that goes towards my list though, because one of the things I always say everybody should create an essential product. It is absolutely on your list. I have seen that. You know, I believe in that. And, and I mean, because that's so key. Because I mean, think about <laughs> so just, key. Just think about the the things that we use on a daily basis. You can go to your bathroom and look at all for business ideas, right? You can go in your closet and look for business ideas. Things that you have to buy on the regular. Those are all business ideas. Like I need tank tops. I need t-shirts. I need boxes. Right? I need a toothbrush. I need toothpaste. Let's even approach it very simply. Let's talk about what we influence. Mm. Let's start there. What, a, what does black culture influence? Everything. Food, fashion, <laughs> everything. Everything, right? <laughs> what so, don't we influence? So that's, so, so that's what we all have to look at. So yeah. if we are able to influence, then we should own it. Yeah. And see, with that model, what I would add to it is, you would take something like a DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Yep. So let's say that the culture decides to move together as a family. And now you got these business models to where you can make this happen. Yep. Let's say toothpaste, right? Everybody's using Tom's or Colgate's, right? These are families, yep. right? So instead, let's say, you know, we got culture paste. I couldn't think of that real quick. <laughs> culture paste, you understand me? We're using culture paste. And so everybody say, you know what? I like that. That's good. It's fluoride free. I'm rocking with that for those who care about that kind of stuff. You understand me? Then everybody say, you know what? I'm going to buy that for my household. Yeah. And so there's a token 
the same way there would be a stock connected to it. Yeah. And they said, we're going to do that. Now, they get whoever, how many tokens you get, you get governance rights in there. So you yeah. get voting rights within it. And then when we want a new flavor or we want to expand, everybody gets to vote on what happened next inside that. And then the owners of that, they get a kickback based on how the percentages of these smart contracts are created. Absolutely. So if the culture is generating billions of dollars from things that we consume, and then we're taking some of that revenue and we're dropping it back into the hands of those who invested in it, that's a circular model to increase our, you understand me, uh, uh, economic authority in control of our own wealth and prosperity. Yeah, I, th I, I mean, I think stuff like that is 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 a hundred percent brilliant, and and it can also be simpler than that. It can just be have culture pace, and create an infrastructure where now you have the proper supply chain, the proper ingredients to create that, to manufacture that, to distribute that with the right trucking system, the right website, right the right folks. You have the right relationships with distribution channels and stores. And you're just selling that. And we're buying and supporting that because we buy and support a whole bunch of other things that we don't own. And shout out to We Buy Black because I know that they got some toothpaste They're doing there. a great job. Doing and I'm creating job. my own toothpaste. I can't tell y'all what it's called yet, <laughs> but I do got a much better name. That's why I had, I had to swap it out in that moment. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to get Keenan to help me out with you this. Dope, you know, you know, my brother got it's great products. Keenan, I know you got Keenan, it's a billion dollar idea. Hey, guess what? Almost but. everybody brushes their teeth. <laughs> hey, almost. That's why, look, I, I, I love it, right? We yeah. talk about a lot of these things. Yeah. You know, I'm a consumer products guy. Because yeah. Because you know what? Everybody takes a shower. Yeah. Everybody goes to the bathroom. I take a shower and the shit. Everybody brushes their teeth That's for the fact. most part. Almost. Yeah. We all wash our clothes. Yeah. These are things. This is what I learned through consumer products, man. We yeah. touch everybody. So our influence is going to have the greatest impact there because now we have the reach. I love what's happening in crypto, right? Mm -hmm. I love what's happening in that, right? I love what's happening in cloud computing. But again, those things still aren't at 100%. Nah. We're still in the early stages But of that's it. the beauty of it because we can't afford them to be at 100% because everybody else has more money than us to invest in them. No, but I, I, I like that, and that's why it's exciting because you can get in early. Yeah. I'm saying there are things that we have distribution of and control right. of now where we can do things to satisfy now. Absolutely. There are places I agree with to do that. right now. We not, yeah, because I believe that the best entrepreneurs for whatever new technology comes are going to be the ones that are already using the existing yeah, opportunities man. and infrastructures and systems yeah we we've now we we're in and look we're, we're fixated on some of these new and and interesting but still slightly unproven models which which i think is fine and i think there's a percentage of our time that should go to that but there is still a lot of unrealized potential in right now in today walmart's doing 400 plus billion dollars amazon doing hundreds of billions of dollars Procter & Gamble, $100 billion. Johnson & Johnson, $100 plus billion. Unilever, right? All these companies are selling basic goods that are in all of our homes and things that we can influence. Sometimes we don't like the ugly money. We want to get the sexy money, the, mm -hmm. new, the new shiny object. Man, I'm cool selling toothpaste. Yeah. I'm cool selling toilet Tooth paper. Socks. I'm cool selling underwear. Cool selling razors. Yeah. Shoe shrinks. We using that stuff every day because now I don't have to spend money to convince you that you need that. Mm -hmm. You've already bought into that. Now I just got to put value in front of you. Yeah. So now I'm trying to figure out my distribution, right? I'm trying to figure out how to be different. That's cool. That's a tweak. 
I can tweak and get my and, and get my family through. So I don't want us, you know, while we're focusing on some of these shiny objects, let's not forget that there's still some low hanging fruit and things right in front of us. But that's why we need people like you too. 100%. And that's why we're having this conversation because both of them have to be magnified. Yes. You understand me? Because we need both. <laughs> what I think is that you're gonna get a younger generation that are going to grow up on the new models mm -hmm. and then you got the current generation that's still not using the existing models yes you understand me and i think those who use the existing models usher in the opportunities for those who are going to use the new ones because it's like right now there's a mom and pop shop that has a restaurant that probably doesn't still use social media and their sales are declining on a daily basis because they yeah. don't want to use new models. Yeah. You understand me? And yeah. so, but they had to have an existing model of infrastructure yeah. first to improve upon. Yeah. Right. And that's why there's opportunities in places like Africa because the, the beauty about Africa is that they're more primed for these new technologies and industries than anywhere else because they don't have any existing infrastructure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's like instead of bringing over the models that's going out, you just build the new models. Yeah. They don't have to tear anything down. And they're primed to get started ASAP and be the most innovative. But, but, but see, even what you're saying there, because I agree with, with you 100%, that's also why I'm addicted to startups. Mm. Right? So all those big companies that I just named, what were they? They were built before e-commerce existed. Mm. So what they're having to do now is adjust even for e-commerce. Right? When I was at P&G and I'm leading Tide, man, I remember getting presentations from Facebook as a disruptor. Mm. It was shocking to spend a percentage of our budget yeah. on Facebook. Bro, this is 2009, 2010. It's not that long ago. And now all of a sudden you'd be crazy to have a plan and not put money in Google or Facebook. Yeah, well, right? Google now. Right. So those companies, <laughs> right, those big companies, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, right, Johnson & Johnson, their business model isn't fit for what is happening right now. So they're, the cost of them to adjust is very expensive. Mm -hmm. For you to build an e-commerce first business just makes sense for you. To build a mobile first company just makes sense to you. That's how you would build it. So your infrastructure is now going to look different. Well, what happens from those big guys that are well capitalized? Mm -hmm. They got to buy your infrastructure because it's cheaper for them to buy than build. Right. That's so, an opportunity for us right now. So, There's billions of dollars in value in just doing that. And, and that's super key because, and, and that's what it's about, as long as we take every one of these models, right, and then you have the mindset to do what with the money. Correct. So that, that becomes the question, because I think that we, we're brilliant enough to figure out this excellence yeah. to where we can be consistent over time while creating systems and consistently building up our dollars. Because I'm looking at what this generation is doing, and we're only growing and evolving now. Yeah. And we go figure this thing out. And right now, the way we figure that out is by giving each other access to each other's knowledge and saying that, look, this is, you're doing good over there, but this is the piece you're missing to 10x to 100x that. Because yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, I want, I want billion-dollar conversations, and I know a lot of people, they get on me aggressive about this, saying, well, it seems that we just go to a place where we just capitalists. And here's the thing. I understand that you don't have to be wealthy to be for the liberation of our people, right? Yeah. And the people that are not wealthy and rich in our society or in our culture, sometimes they're doing a lot more than those who have the resources. Mm -hmm. So there's also that thing of detachment of when you get it, you no longer feel connected because now you are part of the system 
rather than one of those guys who feel like they need to destroy it in order to build their own. Like you, the, the, the lower class is always more revolutionary because they have more to gain if the world crumbles, if the current existing symbols. Yeah, but the revolution crumbles. has to be financed. It has to be financed. And that's so, why we, we all got roles. We focus on being rich and righteous. That, you know, money and morals. When they go hand in hand, then that's when you can do liberation. But yeah. when the money is without the morals, it's only for the man. Yeah, and, you know, and that, that's, that's going to be up to the individual, right? And, and you have to make that, that call for, for yourself, right? And, and what that arrogance is and what, and, and what your why is, right? I, I can't control that. I know what my why is, right? So I'm not... I'm not worried about my, you know, what capitalism does to my spirit. It doesn't, it doesn't control me in that way, right? Capitalism so I, just funds your spirit. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's a tool, right, for me. It's not changing who I am, right, fundamentally. I'm going to love my family regardless. But, you know, I always say you can tell how dangerous the man is when he get the money to fund his mind. You understand me? <laughs> Say that. If, if he does something with the money, either because two things happen. Oftentimes, the ideas that they did have, and they're like, when I get this money, I'm going to do this, that, and the third. That spirit, a lot of times, die out by the time you get the money because you had to go through so many steps that that spirit didn't even make it through that process of you gaining the money. And so sometimes you have to do a reset and be like, what was the thoughts I had before I got here? You yeah, understand and I, me? I, I think there's a few things, too, that happen, right, with with folks of money, and, and this is me in an observation seat, right? When you make quick money, you can lose it quick, and you're you're now beholden to that, and so you're it's uh, you're vulnerable, and you're scared, and now you start to do things that can be immoral because you're fearful. When you when you take your time and you don't skip steps, you now got a process because now you've learned and you can always make it. You you have less fear. So that's why I like I like patient money, right? Because I want to I'm I'm chasing the knowledge, mm -hmm. because then you can't take that from me, right? I can have a billion, lose it, and make it again if that's the case, right? Right? And so I like where where we are going within this, and 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 that's why I'm a little bit resistant of the new money kind of models, right? And in, in that spirit, because we're losing and missing some of the fundamentals, right? We talk about all this financial literacy and all these things and I love having billion dollar talks because that's how you and I are but guess what you also made ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars then a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars then a million dollars then ten million dollars mm -hmm. you can have billion dollar conversations we try to have billion dollar conversations and we don't know how to make a hundred grand yeah now but that's, that's why this, wild this, to me. <laughs> this conversation is not reserved for it's for everybody because it's aspirational right so it's like, with well, some people, I want to have the $100,000 conversation. But then I also want to inspire those who are getting into a position to continue to think about expansion, right? And, and that's what it's, it's more so about. It's like, I'm going to have conversations where I break down the math where it's like, okay, do you want to make another 500 per month, $1,000 yeah, per month? Yeah. Do you want to create a small business? Because all of it is is really simple math. And most people don't do enough the simple math to add up, I need to sell this, I need to sell that. Because my idea of wealth, and I heard Ray Dalio talking about this. He said, look at it time-based. It might have been Ray. I'm going to give myself this credit. You understand? Because I don't know if it was him or not, so I'm going to just take it. It might have just been you. It's just you. You understand me? <laughs> but he said, look at it time-based. If you take and evaluate, do an evaluation on yourself by how much time you can afford. So look at all of your bills, 
whatever they come out to on a monthly basis. If everything stopped right now, how much more time could you afford? Six months, a year, five years, ten years. That's how wealthy you are, really. You understand me? That's your true net worth and evaluation. Yeah. And yeah. for a lot of people, unfortunately, they got one more day. They got one more week. So yeah. that mental myopia kicks in where they can't see beyond their problems. Yeah. I can't think beyond my problems. Yeah. When I had a case that I was fighting, I couldn't think of my future till I was certain that I'd be free. Absolutely. You understand me? I couldn't plan beyond my problems. Yeah. And so absolutely the conversation has to scale up yeah. to where it's like, can we think about on a uh, smaller scale, how do we just start building a, a, a farmer markets to try to, you know, uh, um, help the conditions and the realities with food deserts so in our so neighborhood? Let's, let's, let's talk about that because you're dropping real game right there, right? So how do we get to that in a practical sense? We need to push our living and our expenses down low mm -hmm. enough to create a little bit of that freedom. Right. So that's fine if what you're making is twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand, whatever that number is. A hundred. The goal is to live off of significantly less. Right. To now start to give yourself that freedom and time to now think for bigger things. That, because that scale inevitably takes time. Absolutely. Wealth is about scale. Yes. Which means you need time. You can't do it if you're impatient. That's a super fact. Patience is an asset in this whole game. My uncle and got me cost. to start thinking long term, and that changed everything for me. Yeah. He said, y'all talking to all these women, they could have, number one, first this lesson was in women. He said, listen, man, <laughs> them same women could have helped y'all write paperwork and contracts for the city, and I could have showed y'all how to get money. Y'all just want to knock them down and have sex with them. Y'all could be getting checks with them. You understand me? Ooh. I say, okay, uncle. <laughs> Game. Okay. Game. Okay, That's that real Oakland talk yeah, right was, there. You talking about pushing P. You understand me? <laughs> hey, man, shout out. Rest in peace to my uncle Nate dog, man. <laughs> Rest in peace. But see, he used to take me to uh, city hall meetings and government meetings because he was getting government contracts. And I remember he said, listen, y'all think too short term. So you want some money for next week and next month. He pulled out a check, check for like for a couple hundred thousand. He said, look. This was from work that I did years ago. You understand me? But the contract just came in. Mm. He said, look, I can show y'all how to, you go take one of the women, goddamn, they'll be, put the paperwork in, become the assistant, instead of something you just knocking down for a round. You understand me? Instead, you having them working with you, right? And then, it, it, and it still didn't click to me at that moment, but yeah. it did later on when I started reflecting because I tried to force myself to start thinking beyond my circumstances, yeah, right? And many of our people are punished by their circumstances and they can't get into their imagination. They can't get into their vision. Yeah. Your life only goes as far as your vision. Your move only goes towards your vision. Yeah. So if you lack vision, you walk in blindly. Yeah. And so my thing is, when you talk about scaling up, you first, you gotta identify what you wanna do. Like, yeah. It gets real simple. You understand me? Like, who you are, what do you want to do with life? What's your vision? Yeah. Some people got a $10,000 vision, they got a $100,000 vision, but they not the person that can bring that out yet because their yeah. habits don't match that vision yet. Yeah. So when I was sitting, you understand me, on a, 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 my mattress in the back of this house, we didn't even have a front house, we had the back of the house, yeah. paying like $800 a month. I realized another thing is that when you want to scale your lifestyle, you, sometimes you got to put yourself in a position where you are forced to do it, yeah. right? Like I had to increase my bills, you understand me, that it forced me to start making that kind of money so I can start having a, 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 to maintain in that lifestyle. Yeah. Like I have a 
driver when I go out sometime. And at first, I mean, the first time I see somebody do that, I was thinking like, damn, how much that costs? And then I was thinking in my head, how many times could I actually afford to do that? But I had to stop myself because I was limiting myself. And instead, it said that if you start to create a lifestyle for yourself, your habits, your move, your rituals, it will force you to stay ambitious to maintain that lifestyle. But the problem is, is that oftentimes we get money and we become content. And we don't have to do anything beyond our comfort zone to maintain the life that we live in. So, but if you add in, oh, I got to take yacht trips on a monthly basis, I got to have me a driver, I got to have these habits, then it forces you to make more money beyond your means. So it starts with having an abundance mindset. If I got $100, I'm not giving out 100 I can only afford to give out a dollar at that point. You understand me? If I got 10000 I can give out $100, right? But we think that all of our equity, all of our capital that we have, we can spend and use. So go five to ten percent, and that's your budget. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I love what I love what you're saying, and, and I agree with so much of it. And I think, you know, what we're really talking about, right, when we break it all down, is find where your happiness is. It is it is much easier to create wealth when you're happy. Mm. It is very hard to create wealth when you are unhappy and chasing something. Yeah. Right. So. I think the goal is, right, is to create the sense of freedom. And that's why we're, we're seeing some other cultures, right, and, and communities build wealth at extremely fast rates because they're sitting in happiness. Yeah. Right? They don't, they don't all their basic needs, they're met. Right? When you, when you see these super rich folks and they're still driving whatever cars because they don't care. Yeah. That's not linked to their happiness. We put a lot of things... And we put our happiness on stuff that now creates more pressure. Mm. And we're, we're accustomed to having the pressure. And instead, sometimes, and I think this was one of the, the blessings of, of the pandemic. And, you know, and it, it is hard to, to say that because I know there was loss of life, right, and, and lifestyles and loss of business. But it gave us the first time that we've had to pause and really realize, are we happy with what we have? When you can't go to the clubs, when you can't go to that restaurant, when you can't go to that concert, and what you have is to sit there and play cards with your family. Mm. Are you happy? Yeah. And what it taught a lot of us was, man, thank God we're blessed. We got our families. We're here. We're alive. We're healthy. It created a sense of gratitude. That's what and I think say. what you're starting to see now is, exponential wealth being created because folks are no longer being distracted by some of the bullshit that's out there. We're realizing that we're good and now I can take a longer term play. I don't care about having the driver. Mm -hmm. I'm cool if I got to walk to the store because at the end of the day that doesn't even matter. What my happiness is is man I get to go down and I'm going to make dinner with my lady tonight and I'm going to play with my daughter. It don't cost me no money. <laughs> and that's a road too. That's a road, right? Because, you so, know, gratefulness is the road to happiness. Absolutely. That gratitude is something that, you know, it's something that I think we've lost in our culture was what we had. We had intrinsic joy. Even when we had nothing. Intrinsic joy. We had joy, right? We were singing. We were dancing. Our culture 
is literally joy that was rooted in what should have been pain. That's why people were envious of what we had. Because uh -huh. those with nothing are happy with anything. And those with everything are happy with nothing. I, I encourage everybody to go to a party if they can in a favela in Brazil. When I or went go to and Africa, sit in, in South Africa. In the Orange Town in South Africa. Amen. Joe Bird, outside. They was, they was the happiest I ever experienced. Unbelievable with nothing. A joy because they can't, you can't miss nothing. You, you got everything when you're not comparing your life to everybody. So now introduce information with joy. They will go off and create. Mm. We've lost a bit of a sense of our joy mm. because we've now created these things and because we've been over-marketed to, we've now been distracted and we're chasing nonsense. Those things don't bring me joy. These cars don't bring me joy. It doesn't matter. Popping bottles doesn't make me happy. Anybody who's ever gone to the club and popped bottles, it feels good. I ain't going to lie. It feels good for that moment. Guess what you're going to wake up with? A bill. And a uh, hangover. <laughs> it don't matter. <laughs> It did. There's no happiness <laughs> the next day after popping bottles. Yeah. You buy a car and you pull it off the lot, it feels great. I get that. That's temporary joy. A month later, it's just your car and now it's a car note that you got to figure out. Now I got to work to pay this note. See, this is why this That is watch, that jewelry, all those things. Those things are distractions. What we have to eliminate are the distractions and focus on our gratitude and our joy. And that's something that is innate in black culture, man. That happiness and that love and that God is in our spirit. Right. And when you hone in on that, it now frees your mind up to now create wealth because you have the patience to be able to do it. Now, you listen, need patience to create wealth. I met you. Put the frame right here. I told y'all this was a billion dollar conversation. Money is just energy. You understand mm. me? And when you happy, that's a billion dollars. Like, the, the, the one thing that the they hate to see us is happy. Because when we happy, we manifest. When we happy, we, we charge, we electrical. We're the greatest beings on the planet when we happy. And unfortunately, mental health is on a consistent decrease and decline because we don't know how to just take a walk down the street. We don't know how to just go to the park and relax. We don't know how to just sit silent with ourselves. And me, I practice being grateful for everything. I got a podcast titled Gratefulness is a Tactic to Win the War of Life. Mm. That you can go look at Al Jazeera and find reasons that you would never want to replace somebody else with your life. You understand me? And they wish that they were sitting in your seat with your complaints because your complaints are somebody else's blessings. Mm. We live a, I'm, I went to the restaurant the other day and I seen these two young ladies eating together and they had some uh, fettuccine on salmon. Well, I mean, it was good, boy. <laughs> well, shout out to Stevie's, the black-owned restaurant out here in L.A. I'm on this thing where I'm, I'm going to every black-owned restaurant in hey, L.A. I'm trying to model. Look, please blog that so I can follow your journey. I'm following right behind you then. So I'm watching these two girls. They eat, and they get up, and they leave. They had a basket full of popcorn shrimp. Both of them had two big bowls of fettuccine. By the time they, leave, they left, they don't look like they touched it. I'm almost full to the top, and I'm talking about didn't look like they touched the shrimp, nothing. And it just had me thinking about the gluttony and greed in America, mm. right? Like, we want inherently more portion size than any other part on the planet Earth. You understand me? And we think we need more than we do. You understand me? Because we've been programmed to want more than we need. Well, dissatisfaction drives consumerism. That's a fact. So we have to 
we market dissatisfaction. Yeah. To make you drive consumers. And that's a marketing tactic that's been around for whatever, right? Yeah. Our basic needs, we don't we don't need a lot. When we look at the one point six trillion, that's the thing. Happiness will keep that money in our community faster than any other tactic on the planet. Hundred percent. Because we have stopped spending it outside for things we don't need. Especially when we realize we have everything already. Well, well, this, this then is we can also, focus. This is also part of the problem, right? So a lot of what we're spending and why it leaves our community is what we're actually doing is we're not buying the goods. We're buying the feeling and the access to something that we feel we should have. Yeah. Right. We're we're not we're not buying Nike because we love the shoe. We're buying because what that represents. So if that shoe was black owned. And was from Keys and Keenan that lives next door. Yeah. Well, that doesn't give us access to a new world, Mm-mm. right? That's we'll start to support each world. other a lot more when we realize that we are happy and we have it within. And now we're buying things that actually are meeting needs. Yeah, this is part of that's why gratitude. You know what we're talking about? Look, we 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 done gone deep. We went from from billions of dollars to talking about now. Let's get to the root of but where I these things are. But I think it's the same thing. It is the same because thing. Now we've brought it and made when it. When we pragmatic. look at billion, the word billion got ions in it. Yeah, it's billions, billion ions of energy that we got to get circulating. Like we are the energy. If you take Black America, Black culture, and you put it into anything, it will power it up. No matter what sector, what industry, no matter. Black people get a hold of it, it's going wild. Yeah. So. But what happens if we take control of our own energy? And happiness is our ability to do that. So once we have that mindfulness and we, we, we practice things like transcendental meditation and simple things by, you know, just sitting down and thinking about what you're grateful for. Like, person won't take 10 seconds out their day to think about that, that you've been blessed with skills, you've been blessed with, with life and health, you understand me, and just be grateful. That changes the game. Because they no longer have us running around for things, feeding everybody else culture so that we can feel accepted. Man, what, what, what is over-marketed to, right, the things that are outside of our community that, that involve black culture? We don't, we don't see shows of the Cosbys anymore. Mm-mm. We don't see shows that promote our happiness. We see a lot of media that promotes the toxicity that exists with us. That's right? a fact. The dysfunction. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. And people are dancing off of our pain. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the cultural appropriation, right, in these things, right? A lot of these songs and rap music were rooted in trauma. Somebody else who's not going through any trauma is dancing and skipping and rapping That's to your fact. stuff. That's horrible when you really, really look at it. Mm-hmm. We got to start to flip some of these things, man. We got to start to celebrate yeah. what we have because we have a lot, right? So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm cautious to not talk about these things right around wealth gap and zero wealth and all, all these things. What I tend to focus on is the fact of black culture is America's greatest export. Black culture is the world's greatest export. It's the world's greatest export, because right? We are the incubator for the world. Yeah. What we now need to do is incubate our culture. Mm. That, is I, what, that is the premise of all that I do. I like what we got to about this. It's basically a mental health conversation now. We're talking about the culture, which is, I think is tied into it because the, 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 the issue is that there's two foes on it. I like to keep the pressure on a bit for us because sometimes yeah. we get lazy. Yeah. And, and the issue is the fact that we complain about things we could be working for. Right. Yeah. And so 
I don't want to hear us complain about anything that we actually have the ability to obtain or change. Right? And the big thing that we're, we're, we're touching on, right, and I'm, I'm going to say it in, 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 look, in my way, right, in my, my cheesy, nerdy way, right, in, in all this. Here's what I found that starts to happen. If we've, we've made wealth building and all these things sound complex and it starts to feel intimidating and we automatically weed ourselves out of it, right, because we mm -hmm. don't feel we can obtain it. The reality is, is the wealth, like you said, and all these things is already in us. Mm -hmm. We possess the energy. That's a fact. So when you flip that and you feel it, it starts to feel much more obtainable. It's less intimidating. My goal right now, what I want to do in all of my platform, right, and when I talk about normalized black excellence in these things, is I don't want the wealth and all those things to feel intimidating. Right. I need us to normalize it. It's not about the exception. Because yeah. if I continue to praise LeBron James, and I love LeBron James, but very few of us are going to be 6'8", freakish athletes, right, with that kind of gift. He is a walking exception. You and I are everyday kings walking on this earth that we can all be. I want to normalize what we are. Yes, I think you're exceptional. Yes, I think I'm exceptional. But yes, I think all of us are exceptional. And we need to start to feel that and normalize that instead of making it where black achievement is an anomaly. Black wealth creation should be an expectation. I expect us to be great. So that's why it's hard for folks sometimes to work with me. Because when you come and work in my organization, I expect that you're going to be great. And I expect that at a certain point you're going to leave and go and build something amazing. Because I believe it's in you. And so I'm only going to talk to you in that way. I'm never going to talk down to us and all those things. Well, you know, and, and that's just simple education. It's education, but it's literally simple belief. Right? I don't have to educate you. And, well, some and, people and, are so ignorant that they don't know themselves. And the, the greatest ignorance we have is the, the, the ignorance of self. Knowledge of self is our greatest reparation because Absolutely. it repairs us. Like, I always say the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave us reparations a long time ago because he taught us who we were. Yeah, he said, you're not a nigga. You're not a slave. You understand me? Don't you know where you come from? Don't you know who you are? Let me teach you who you are. And when you talk about reparations, Oof. it's not a real thing that the government can really do for us because they can't repair us. We can only do self-repairment. And when we put that power in somebody else's hands, then we put ourselves back in the same subservient condition all over again. That's why you've always loved. That's why I love sitting. I, I, man, I, I talk to you and I have so much respect, man, and admiration for you because this is what we always end up getting to, mm -hmm. right? Because this is what you do, right? You're bringing it down and you're bringing the conversations, right? And you're pushing it to the masses. We need more of that so we can feel that. Yeah. I need more of us being encouraged. I need more of us having love for one of us. I need more of us being confident. Yeah. And collectively now, that starts to create change faster than anything yeah. else. Yeah, self-love, man. Because what we've done, man, there is, a, there is a machine, right, a marketing machine that is about control. And it has shifted. Those narratives, a lot of that stuff is toxic. We've got to be careful yeah. what we consume online. We got to be careful what we put in our bodies from a food standpoint. We got to be careful who we give our energy to and who we sleep with. We got to be careful who we party with and interact with because we got to protect ourselves, man. Our power, all right, our wealth is our energy. Right. So, what do you got to do? We just talked about there's people that can earn money and then there's people that got to manage it. Right. Well, if we're the wealth, we better do a better job of managing our wealth. We, we are better start protecting at ourselves. Managing ourselves, period. 
That's because we're the wealth. This is what got me <laughs> on the greatest trajectory of my life was that word manage. Ooh. You understand me? And what I realized is that every area that I'm not able to manage myself in my life, I'm a boy in. Right? And so I broke it down and said, you got to be at that man age. That's mm. when in management and business terms, the ability to administer your activities to get to set obligation and goals. Yes. So if I can't manage my hygiene, right, then I'm a boy in that area. But I can manage money, I'm a man in that area. Yeah. Right? And so I realized that I can't, just because I'm a man in some areas, don't mean I'm a man in all areas. Mm. So managing yourself, I think, is one of the biggest ways that I know because I think it qualifies you to set you up for success in life. And so I have to think, where am I not a good manager and where you're not a good steward of yourself? That's when you bring others to help you in where you fall in. Yeah, and, and that's okay, right? There's, there's the humility in that. But, man, I love that. I love what you just said there. And, and, and there's aspects because on this journey of life, right, like we're all continuously growing. There's always going to be areas where we're inept, right? The moment we stop growing and evolving, we die. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's the end of the cycle. Absolutely. So, so I, I am, I am on a journey of manhood, right? Mm -hmm. To use your phrase, for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing, and it creates a sense of humility. Yeah. And so what that means is sometimes, you know, I have a saying where I'm happy, I'm never satisfied. Mm. Right. So I'm always trying to be centered on my happiness, but I'm trying to push myself and stretch myself to grow and to learn, because that's the I'm not satisfied. I'm not there yet. And I like that where I'm not a man in all aspects of my life. Right. And sometimes what that takes is that's the accountability part. That's right. What we do in our man. in our crew. Right. You know, when we see folks that are still being boys with some of our sexual acts. Mm -hmm. Right. And things that we're doing or within our financial, you know, immaturity or within our our corporate responsibilities mm -hmm. within our money. Man, it's OK for us to talk about those things and it's Check OK for us to be humble in those moments and be open to that feedback. Because Yo, you're better at things than I am. I'm better at things than you are. But together now, we're amazing. That's and I, I've told people, I have literally, I've had a similar prayer, man, since I was a kid. And, and it was, it, it literally has gone like this since as long as I can remember. So maybe five, six. And it was, if I could take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of me, right? Because I always pray that I, when God creates a path for me and a plan, I pray that I can recognize it and go on, mm. right? Because that's an opportunity there. And then the other thing for me was always around, I want to learn from the experiences of others. Mm. Because I can't experience everything. It's impossible. This world is too vast. But if I could learn from you, right, and you had, because experience takes time. I don't have infinite time. Right. But if you can share your learning with me, yeah. man, I pray I That's take access. That, right? That's the access, right? That's the information. That's how we go faster. Mm -hmm. Those are two things. That, man, and I did that. I didn't even know what I was praying for as a kid, I don't yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. And it's been my same prayer. I'm 38 years old. The things, <laughs> the, 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 the psychological rhythms you go through as a child develop who you become as an adult subconsciously, and you oh don't even realize God. it. Oh, my you God. Know? I wanted to get to this last point, man, and um, it's it's the the idea of because I think we talked about some beautiful things, right? And I think that those are really the the, the health, the mindset part. I think is the most important. And there's this book, um, 
It's a book called African Psychology. And it was basically creating a separation between psychology norms, right? That black people think that, or, or all people at this point think that psychology norms go for everybody, right? That the, the uh, uh, what's his name, Sigmund Freed, yeah. you understand me? That the his psychology also was a measurement for us, but he didn't study us in that capacity. Correct. You understand me? And so we get misdiagnosed with multiple things. Yeah. And so when they went to over there to study psychology in Africa, they seen that we was practicing spirituality, but they didn't believe in the unseen. They only believed in things that they could measure, so they only took the psychology part, mm. right? And so they only studied the mind aspect, the mentalism of it. And so we oftentimes don't add that spiritual aspect in there yeah. because that's connected to what our happiness is. Yeah. The black dream. What is yeah. the dream aspect? What would actually make you happy? And so I think about that because a lot of times we have a Eurocentric and we have an Afrocentric mindset. The Eurocentric mindset is what makes us go for the capitalism, to become the earnest, to have the ambition, to want the house, the materialism. The Afrocentric is a spiritualism. Right, where we steeped in the present. It's the mentalism. It's, it's where we find joy, where we are in joy. You understand me? And that's how we enjoy life. And those things are things that we can just use our bodily spirit to appreciate. Right? Like, spirit is like, you see, we have this fire right here. And I look at spirit like each one of us have a fire inside of us. But in order for that fire to keep going, it has to have air. Right? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, You choke a man. He no longer have access to air. He no longer has spirit. He dies out. And so sometimes our spirit becomes lit and invigorated. And when I see basketball players, they utilizing they God-given spirit. They have to breathe. Rappers have to have a cadence of breathing. Yeah. That's us utilizing spiritual talents. Mm -hmm. And that's why it gives us so much fulfillment because spirituality is steeped in the present and it's about expression. Mm -hmm. And so the balance that we have specifically for black Americans is that we have to learn how to balance out these two mindsets that we inherit by being in America. You understand me? And so we may be measuring ourselves by a psychosexual measurement that Sigmund Freed threw out there, but that has nothing to do with us, to be honest. Yeah. Because we don't have those same issues with our mama, yeah. first of all. Uh, <laughs> 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 <out there. laughs> just say it. So, yeah, yeah. so we have to... <laughs> As, as we get into these positions, we have to be careful when we allow our Eurocentric mindset to completely take us over. Yeah. You understand me? And we're no longer steeped in the culture of values and norms of what we truly cherish in our culture. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, because first off, that was beautiful. And, and, and I agree with so much of it. And I think, you know, again, man, I'm a simple man. You know, I, I, I like to bring things down in, in ways that I can understand it. Our journeys are individual, you know. My pathway, right, my journey to self-mastery is my journey, right? Your journey is yours, right? And I think, again, if we get down and we narrow ourselves down to what is our sense of happiness and stop chasing other people's definitions, define what happiness is for you. And that's why, again, I, I for me personally, right, and I, I, I'm one person that, you know, I try not to give advice. I can tell stories. And I can say what the pandemic did for me, right? And, and that moment of, of isolation, it blocked out a lot of distractions, man. I didn't realize how many distractions existed for me until I had that moment of stillness. 
And I think that's what the power of wealth, because you're able to buy that time to create that stillness. And when you're constantly overextended, right, you're in that rat race, you don't have that moment of stillness to actually be happy and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think for all of us, man, we have to figure out what that means for us and create that moment of stillness and find our joy. Yeah. And then build whatever. And I think for us, right, and you and I talk about that, that is heavily rooted in our spirituality. But that's grounded in us because it's innate in who we are. And then we're going to build wealth from that foundation. But we're really, really clear. You and I sitting in this chair across from each other at this fireplace where our center and where our happiness is. Mm-hmm. And that's what's unlocking and opening our brains up for so much more. Yeah. And we haven't even seen a glimmer of our potential. Yeah. And that's what's exciting. And that's why I that's love having these conversations. And that's what wealth building is. That's what these billion dollar conversations are about. Yeah. So I encourage everybody, let's center ourselves, find our joy, our happiness, and build from there. And see, the reason I wanted to have this billion dollar conversation, because I wanted to get to this last act. And I know, you know, I haven't created a billion dollars, but I put out a billion ions of energy. And that's simply by being a service. Yeah. There's never, there, there's no... You know, billionaires that we know traditionally in culture that people look up to, whether it's Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Kanye West, they didn't serve multitudes of people. And at the core of business is service. And we have to learn how to be servants to each other. You understand? Because the more people you can serve, right, the more energy that you produce. You understand? The more energy that you satisfy, right? And in that satisfaction is the value that we create within the culture. And so one of the things that I, I dislike about our culture is our over-individualism. It's because we don't think in a collective sense. Because when we had rites and rituals, we found happiness in our participation in culture. Right? We found happiness in the fact that, yo, I, get to, I can't wait till I do this uh, uh, rites of passage to become a man or to become a woman or to add to the tribe or the collective. You understand me? And it's reconnecting to that sense of how do I serve the culture, right? Because nobody said the billion dollar conversation was about an individual, you understand me? It's about the culture taking their collective energy and circulating that. Because in the, the great Reverend Reich once said, that he said, listen man, you know, spending money is when you have money that goes out, it's not coming back. But circulation is when you have money go out then it coming back to the point of origin. And so at the key of all of this, we have to make sure that our services and circulation of our culture and we have to steep ourselves in the present, but we also have to plan for the future at all times. Because those who plan for the future control the future. And the rest of everybody else is just trying to figure out what they got planned for us. Man, I'm 19 Keys. I'm here with the great Keenan Beasley. And this has been a billion dollar high level conversation. Make sure y'all tap in. I'm 19 Keys and this is High Level Conversation. Tap in with the guy. That that went deeper than we thought. Mm. I don't know if we thought we were going to go that deep.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.